Live from Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. We pray that he will be with us tonight. I'm Sean McCraney, your host, and let's begin with a prayer. Lord, we uh, petition you to uh, be with us as we do this program and pray that you'll uh, open up our minds and hearts to your truth and that the things I say that are not correct will be forgotten. We pray that you'll bless the staff and people who are watching. We pray you'll uh, bless the United States of America tonight as we're at the polls, we're voting for our president, and it's, it's a tense time. So we, uh, we just pray that we will recognize your hand in this. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Knife to a Gunfight. It's of our newest book and uh, misinterpreting the purpose and place of the New Testament. In today's church, we have it in hard copy, of course. We have it in audio book. I had to read this darn thing. And uh, so if I had to read it, you have to listen to it. Uh, Ebook, even translated into, into Irish, which is a reading in English that is impossible to understand. So that's for our Irish friends out there. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. Uh, but the book is there for your reading. We hope you'll consider it, hotm.tv and you can get the book uh, in any of those forms through that. Well, one of the biggest dividers in America, at least within the faith, has arrived today, voting day in the United States of America. We're here to elect a new president uh, and Congress people and other offices, of course. And it's really been a big, ugly deal here in the states as both candidates from the Republican and the Democratic Party appear to be somewhat, shall we say, questionable. Uh, one side is accused of evil, evil behavior, and the other side is accused of being egocentric, maniacal narcissist. And so online, I'm told Christians are roaming about demanding allegiance to what they call the Christian candidate, and uh, pastors have not been so subtly uh, suggesting that there is a true Christian way to vote. Pretty strange in my opinion. The other night, I walked out of a grocery store, and a woman walked right up to me. I think she saw the cross on my hand, and she said, without any explanation, she said, hi, I have a really important question for you. I said, okay. And she said, can a good Christian really vote for a Democrat? And her face was really earnest. And I said, a good Christian can vote any way a good Christian wants to vote. And she said, thank you. And she walked away. Good Christians belong to a body of believers in Christ. We look to him as our king. If we choose to vote while on this earth, if we choose to vote, we vote for who we want to vote for, just like we buy the cars we want. We don't have a Christian car, and we see the films we want, and we eat in restaurants that we want, and we attend schools that we want. In my estimation, there is no more a right or correct Christian candidate then there is a right or correct Christian denomination. I think to say that that is the Christian candidate is just like saying that is the Christian denomination. I think it's, it's, it's foolhardy. Think about it. We have Christian brothers and sisters, think about this, who are part of the body that we're going to be with in heaven that live in North Korea. And we, what are their politics? Well, who cares? And we have Christians who live in Castro's Cuba. And, and they look to Christ, and again, who cares about what they're doing politically? We have Christians who live in Muslim-run countries, and we don't really care about how they vote. Last week, pastors all over the U.S. stood at the pulpits and said, in the name of God, it's a Christian's duty to vote. It might be an American's duty, but I, I refuse to say that it's a Christian's duty. Some suggest that there's even a Christian candidate. Uh, Romans 4 tells us, God puts the people into office, 
who he wants. And I trust this. And I remind everybody that God put Obama in office. That's what Romans 14 tells us. We all get up in arms, no way, oh, and this person and that person, and all this is. I think God is reigning, and that's the kingdom I belong to. Furthermore, I believe politics are just another way for us to divide and to fraction and to seek control and to try to dominate other people's lives in the body. And vote or not, Hillary or Trump or whoever or not, um, I don't believe there's a Christian candidate. Uh, be free from the cares of the world. Join in the affairs of that kingdom. I'm going to talk kind of tonight a little bit more about this, this vertical and this horizontal view. And it's going to kind of a theme I've just realized is going to pop up. Uh, I, you know, what does it mean to really love others? How do you express the Christian act of love as defined by 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, Ephesians 5 on the Spirit? I was invited to dinner with some folks not long ago and sat down with them. And they've been very kind to me. They're believers since I came out with different views. And I, honest to goodness, believe that they were sitting around and having dinner with me they, at a pretty nice restaurant. And because they had unconditional Christian love for my person. And it really touched my heart. Uh, as the dinner wore on, all sorts of niceties that were initially shared sort of became apparent that uh, they had some real heartburn for me, the, the group I was with. And it suddenly dawned on me that our time together, this dinner and this fellowship, was their effort to try to bring me back to views that they believed were correct. And in other words, they had an agenda and they didn't want to just break bread with me. They didn't want to just go and hang out with me. I was a lost sheep in their eyes and they were out to help me get found. And I was kind of stunned, mostly at my naivete and stupidity for not realizing this, uh, but they... They didn't love me as I am, uh, but they did show love to me in at least trying to reach me. And, and I understand that. And that was, a, that was good. Uh, but it caused me to ask the question. As, after, as we sat there and some of the conversations started to get a little accusatory, I said, why did you guys invite me to come to dinner with you? And, uh, and I said, I'm not going to come back to your way of thinking on some of these issues that matter to you. And in the end, several admitted to me that they would never be having dinner with me if it wasn't for their, their trying to bring me back. That was their purpose. And if they knew they would never bring me back, they would never have had dinner with me. And I was kind of felt heartsick and kind of stupid, but I realized something. There's a giant difference when it comes to the way we love people. And I see Jesus in me and in others as being able to love all people, whether they change or whether they agree with him or not. I see his love as unconditional. So I see him as sitting with sinners, maybe all the while knowing nine-tenths of them aren't going to convert, and yet still sitting with them and, and sharing light with them. And uh, I, 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 I understand that love, in my world at least, means I will love people and hang with people of all beliefs, of all lifestyles. Of, of all opinions, uh, and whether they concur with mine or not. And of course, the hope is that we can share the light and the Lord will come into people's lives that we're hanging out with. But I don't hang out with people as a means in order to convert the homosexual or to convert the homeless or the sinful. I hang out with them because I love them. There's no agenda, and I wonder about that. And, I, and I'm bringing it to the forefront here because you guys might think about it. Do you love people with an agenda? 
Because if you do, it's conditional. And if they don't go along with your agenda, do you cease loving them? And, and, and I'm not saying don't try to bring light and truth to them, but I am saying, do we cut off communications with people and um, engagement with people because they don't agree with us? I believe this is the way God is, is that he hangs out because he just is love. I don't believe God or Jesus hang out with people only that they can convert. I think God is not a respecter of persons. He is love. Jesus was love when he walked the earth. We know he was criticized for hanging out with people who didn't wash their hands and sinners and the like. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't believe that Christian love is conditioned on whether a person will ever convert or not. Uh, we love as he loves unconditionally, always, for every type of person, every people group, and not just the people we think we can win over to the faith that we hold so dear and that is so important. And again, don't get it wrong. I, I know that the most important thing we can impart to other people, the, the sinners and the, the aberrant groups and all that, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But hopefully, if it doesn't work, we don't cut off that love that extends. And that's how I see it anyway. And with that, let's go to our board of direction. First of all, tonight, if you are watching this show, uh, I salute you because I would imagine everybody wants to have their eyes on the computer and know what's happening with the election. So I don't blame you if uh, you're catching up later. I'm really not sure how to go about and flesh what I understand, but this is that vertical horizontal thing that I was talking about. Um, let's give it a go. When we enter into a religious allegiance, we have a great tendency when we say Catholic, Mormon, Baptist, Pentecostal. When we do that, we have a great tendency to see God in our relationship to him uh, in kind of a horizontal fashion. What we do is we say, I'm a this, they're a that, and therefore um, I, I have problems with this. And so what I'm talking about is we have a tendency to, to establish an us versus them uh, uh, thing. Let me, let me show you on the board. That's what we call it from the board of direction. But we established kind of an us uh, thing here, and here we are in our religious views, and uh, you can call it anything. You say this is us as Christians, or this is us as a denomination, or whatever it is, but we insulate ourselves, and then we look out and we say, this is them. Okay, and we establish an us versus them mentality on this horizontal view of things. And, you know, in this model, we evangelicals, Mormons, Baptists, Catholics, Calvary chapels, whoever, we put ourselves in a group of acceptability. This is acceptable. And when we put ourselves in that group, then we look at the rest of the world and we say, unacceptable to God, unacceptable to Jesus. And, uh, you know, they're going to burn. This group will burn forever and ever and ever in hell. And this group will not. And we, we do that. You, you just almost can't help it. And it's really easy to allow ourselves the comfort of being in this us crowd. And it's just natural. It's just part of our, our tribal instinct to get part of the us crowd. And uh, all who are not part of the group, we can criticize. But then also when you're in the us crowd, what happens is you start to vet and police and examine everybody who is in this crowd to make sure that they conform. Because 
You want to make sure that there's nobody in that crowd that isn't doing what you and everybody else thinks is true and right. And if they don't conform, they are cast out into the them crowd, you see? And so I started to try to understand the way God sees this, this horizontal line. And so I, I wrote this horizontal line out here, and I think that we might look at, at him, God, and it's, it's him and us. This is us. And maybe we ought to start looking vertically at things instead of horizontally. We're on this earth and we're, we fit into one of these categories and we're always looking to our right and to our left instead of looking up and only caring about what our relationship is to him and who he is and what he cares about and what he thinks rather than what's going on to our right and to our left. So I'm talking about, again, that vertical point of view versus the horizontal. And uh, so I started to think, so we have God who created all things and that's him and that's, that's the view we want to understand and care about. And then we have all the rest of us, his creations. And I put ourselves in a continuum of negative relative to God, all the way out to super, super, super positive. And I just kind of thought through, and you might have a different uh, look at this, but we have at the far, far left, we have people who are indifferent to God. They don't care. Indifference is worse than hating God. God says, uh, don't be lukewarm, be hot or cold, but don't be indifferent. Indifference, if someone's indifferent to your existence, it is far more damaging to you than someone who hates you. Because someone who hates you at least has a feeling toward you. Okay? They care about you some way. They might hate you, but hatred is better than indifference in the human existence and in the existence between humans and God. So, and then there are those who fight against God. And then uh, I have those who deny God. Now, this is all negative. This is all pretty bad end of the spectrum, right? And, and so when we look at the, the horizontal view of us, we know that there are people on this spectrum. So as we move this way, ask yourself, how do we relate to them? Do we relate to them this way or do we relate to them this way? That's the key, okay? So, and then when we start to get into the positive, there are people who believe there is something or someone, a God of some sort, but they don't know what. That's a positive. They've stepped out of denying and fighting and being indifferent to God, and they've stepped into, well, I believe there's something. So we might label them seekers, okay? We might label these rebels, and we might label those in this group seeker. And so they believe in something. And then we have people who believe in God, but without Jesus. They're Islam and they're Buddhist and they're uh, Hindus. Hindus. And, and so it's, 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 they, they believe in God, a more personal God, at least in the way they're seeing it. But... They, they don't believe in Jesus. We don't give them the double plus, but they're on the continuum of recognizing God and believing that he created them and they have some sort of responsibility toward that God. So again, when we're in this group, how are we looking at them? Are we doing an us versus them attitude toward them? Or are we saying, look at what does God think? 
And, and once you start allowing this to occur, you start to break down. You'll, you can start off and think, God hates them. They don't know the true God and all that stuff. You'll start to break down. I'm not ecumenical. I'm not preaching. All roads lead. I'm just telling you as Christians, we need to start adopting this rather than this. Okay? We move on to the double plus, And this are groups that include, and I'm going to put this, A, Jesus. Okay, so when we start to get down in here, we might call this group the professors of Christ. Okay, now when we get over here, we say, well, these, they're Jesus. A Jesus is not good enough. That they're going to burn in hell because they don't know the true Jesus. And we know the people who uh, have a Jesus are like the LDS, LSD, LTS. The, uh, 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 the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, the, some would say the Seventh-day Adventists, some would say the Christian Scientists. Okay, they have a Jesus, but when you start to get down in this area, are they professing the right Jesus? That's the game we play on the vertical, on the horizontal view. Okay, and then we move further and then we see people who have uh, Jesus but they have plus religion. That means that these people get their identity to Jesus through their religion, and we have the Catholics. And uh, so it's, it's a better thing because they have a, a good sound, pretty sound view of Jesus, but these people have to have the religion to keep them tied in with who this Jesus is. Okay, so the relationship isn't big. And then we move to the, 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 the four-star person, and that would be people who are born again. Now, uh, listen, these people here can be Catholics. They can be denominational oriented. They might not be able to understand Jesus or have a relationship with Jesus at all without this. So they're a little bit different than this people who involve a Jesus, but they are still not. And this is born again, Christian. And these people have become children of God. Okay, now children of God can come from any, any of this, I believe, any of it. And if it's in this case, they will know who Jesus is. And if it's this case, they will know who he is spiritually if they don't already. But you can be a, ch a child of God by virtue of God's spirit upon them. I know of case after case. I was LDS. I had a, a Jesus when I was born again and became a child of God. And I remained LDS for four years thereafter. You can't tell me that there are no children of God in these groups. I believe there are. But that is not the goal either. The goal is to become sons and daughters of God. And this comes by suffering with Christ. And that's scriptural. We won't go into it now. Okay, so here's my point. Okay, if this, and this is what I'm proposing to you, is the goal Right here, if this is the goal, how does somebody in this, who's reached this place, who become sons and daughters of God, they suffer with Christ, meaning they die to themselves. They don't let their flesh reign. They, they are Jesus to their neighbor, meaning the spirit of Jesus is in them. They really have grown in the spirit. If this is the goal, then what, how would these people relate to all these groups. Ask yourself that. If this is the goal 
And these things are nice and they're good and everything, but they're not the goal. But if this is the goal, what is it about the people in this group and how they relate to everybody horizontally? What they have, in, from what I can tell from Scripture and from observance, is they have love. God is love. They have love. They have established the vertical relationship and it transfers into a horizontal relationship. And if we can see that, we will stop looking to our right and to our left and picking on everybody else. We'll say, I want to be in the goal. And if I'm in the goal, my vertical relationship is set on him. And what is he? He is love and that's what he wants us to be. Will he take care of people who are phonies? Yes. Will he take care of those people who fight and deny him and are indifferent to him? Yes, he will. We trust that. Will he make himself known to these people or will these people suffer for not having the right Jesus? He'll do all that. We don't have to worry about that. We just worry about being what he has told us to be. Christ to our neighbors who love. If we don't kind of make that change or grow in that direction and remain on the horizontal and keep an us versus them mentality uh, in our relationships with other people, we're breaking the second commandment. First commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart. And the second one is, is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor, it doesn't say anything about believers or anything else. I point that out. I'm gonna share something with you. Tonight's kind of an un unusual show. I'm going to share, this is what I woke up to the other morning. This is someone who's on the horizontal and he's decided he's really, he's a, he's a Christian. And I'm gonna to play to you what he left me on the phone. This is a Christian. He starts off nice. Listen, press one, send. <laughs> First saved message. Oh, hi, Sean. When you did what you did in 2013 and you changed the format, you hurt me, you hurt a lot of people. From your calling from Christ, and that was to witness to Mormons and lead them to Christ. Okay, you ruined your show, and what you're talking about now on your show is not important. Protecting people from a cult and leading them to Christ that's important, and that's what you were doing. Okay, you know, it's just, it's just terrible what you did. You know, it, it is, and it's very understandable that. You know, Christian pastors want nothing to do with you. It's, it's very understandable. And this message That's the horizontal, folks. Press it's not done, though. Save. Press 9. More options. Press resave. You ruined such a beautiful thing you had on TV20. You ruined all of it in 2013. You're just an idiot. Yeah, you hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. No, this stuff has no interest in me. It's irrelevant. We're... We're the body of Christ. We're Christians. Okay, you're talking about stupid stuff. Instead, you were preventing people from joining a cult and sending them to the Lord. You're an idiot. You're the stupid, two-faced fucking idiot. You know, fuck you, Sean. Send this message to Reese. We're not done. You're not helping anybody anymore. Fuck you. Message Someone's enjoying this. Oh, and for your information, I do have a life. I have two jobs. I text him saying, I work get a job. Majority of the time, I've had since I graduated, right after I graduated from high school in July of 94. 
okay, and I still have that job. So just, just so you know, and you terminated your Facebook page, you asshole. You're not helping anybody anymore. It's boring apologetics. Fuck you, I hate you. End of message, delete. Okay, you know what that is? That's a man abiding in that. That's what he does, is he's looking and he's saying, we used to have this really good thing. And that thing, interestingly enough, still exists. It's out there. All those videos we did still reach people. Every day we get an email from somebody, one or more, that the videos have reached them for the Mormons. And, and they, but he has narrowed it down and he's looking to the right and he's looking to the left and he says, we're Christians, we're the body of Christ. And then he just totally gets caught up in his flesh. I've been there, so it's no thing on him, but he's really ticked. And he's just forgot that this is the part that we focus on. This is the part. And all this other stuff to our right and to our left, he shouldn't care about me. He shouldn't care about what I've done or what we're doing now. He really shouldn't. He should say, let God, just like the elections, let God, let God. Let's be people who trust and follow God. So I thought that was really uh, interesting and uh, share it with you tonight. All right, let's go forward. And uh, I want to try, get you to try to imagine a scenario. And that is... The year is 2066, all right? And this is a uh, time capsule, as it's so well written out here. And we're going to fill it up today to a people who are living in a world 50 years from now that is a very, very different place, all right? Advanced in advances in medicine and stuff, technology have increased human life for dozens of years to the average. And uh, every area of existence, education, has gotten better, healthcare has gotten better, we've gotten better, let's say, except in religion. And our children are now senior citizens and our grandchildren are now middle-aged. I mean, we're out there 50 years. And particularly to our interest, Christianity has gone one of two ways. Either there are, they, it, churches have gotten really big, monolithic, and they don't do anything but teach positive thinking. They don't teach anything about Christ, sin, atonement, forgiveness, repentance, love. They do, oh, they do teach love, but they just teach this happy, always be positive message because it's illegal for them to teach anything more than a lukewarm gospel message. The governments and corporations at this year, 50 years from now, won't take, uh, they won't take it. Okay, at the other end of the spectrum, we have fringe groups, underground fringe groups, and they are... Uh, thriving because it's illegal uh, in the underground because it's illegal for them to speak openly. So we have big acceptable churches to government and corporations, but they can't really say anything that's from the Bible. They can't do anything that's in there really. And then we have the underground groups, but the underground groups are really fringy and they thrive on zealotry abstracted from the misinterpretation of the Bible. And they rage against the sins of the world. They're raging against everybody because they believe they're the select group underground that's keeping the church uh, alive. And they constantly threaten, you know, hell and punishment with anybody who differs with them. And while the biblical literalism is there, they can't agree with each other. So it's a really ugly mess in the body. And I don't think, I don't know if this would happen, but this is just the hypothetical. So between these two polarized groups, there are millions of people who are up on that board. Like we said, they want to know God. They want to know truth, but they can't stand this side and they can't stand that side. So they're left with nothing. Okay. 
Now come back to the present tonight here on Heart of the Matter. And here we have the opportunity to seal this up. And this time capsule is going to open up and they're going to read the things that we suggest to them out of it. And you can say what you would put in the time capsule, uh, but I'm going to lay out the approach that, um, that I believe would be a great thing for them to read. All right. So time capsule point, paper number one. You ready? So here it is. I would commend every reader of the time capsule information to know that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. And that son, in fact, came. He lived a real life. He lived, uh, he died a real death. He shed his blood for the sins of the world. He rose from the grave and he proved uh, to God and to the rest of the world that uh, by offering his life, the sins of the world are taken care of. He ascended into the heavens. He promised he was going to come back with justice and with re uh, reward, and he did. That's what I would, that would be the first thing I put on that paper. He came back. Don't trust me. Go read about preterism. Go read about anything, but he came back. That's, in, that's really important to know because if you believe he's still coming back, you're going to have a different view of the faith altogether. But if you see what the Bible says relative to his return in Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Bible is what tells it to you. Okay. Paper number two, I would explain that all the material and spiritual history, that's what's written on the back of this, all the material and spiritual history of God is present in the Bible. You can open it and you can read from the beginning to the end of that era when Jerusalem was wiped out. You can read what God has done for the redemption of humankind. So therefore, reading the Bible would be a good thing. And that's on the back of paper number two. I would strongly suggest that the history of God working to save humanity is over. He has done it. It was finished. It has been accomplished and that now material religion is also over, wiped out when Jerusalem was wiped out, so much so that nothing shakable can remain. The writer of Hebrews says that. All right. I would emphasize number three, that the life and story of Jesus must be accepted by faith and by and through this faith, a person can experience spiritual rebirth. They can be born from above is what it means from the Greek. They can have God change their heart and give them new life. And they can be empowered by God as a result of that. The fourth thing that I would suggest to them is I would encourage them to go to God directly. Forget going to the church right now, go to or this group or that group, go to God directly and ask him, open my eyes, give me a new heart, help me to know your son by the spirit. And that's the challenge I give to everybody here. If you haven't done it, if you don't know God from your heart, I didn't know God from my heart before 1997. I tried. I didn't know him at all. I know him now. I don't like BS. I don't like to make up myths. I don't like myths. This isn't a myth. Change my life. Am I perfect? Hells no. I'm still a failure, but he's there and he changed me. And as soon as he did that, I embarked on this thing to try to help people understand that. So I would make sure that on that fourth piece that they can go to God, they can ask for a new heart and wait for him to act. Number five, I would tell that when God moves, he will give them this new heart. And that one of the best ways to tell that they have a new heart by God 
is not a feeling, is not over ebullient emotionalism. It's you begin to see the world around you and people in it a little bit differently. You begin to start seeing life in a different way. It's a sense, but it's not something you feel. That's, that's one way I would suggest you can start to know. The other way that you can start to know is that you'll start to do things that you normally would not do. You might forgive somebody you normally wouldn't forgive. You might decide to hold your tongue in a situation when you normally would not do it. So those are two ways I would put on point number five that a person can know that God is in them. They begin to see life in the world differently. That includes nature. That includes almost everything. You start to see it differently. And you start to love in a way that is described in the Bible. The sixth thing I would tell them is that I would say, now know that you are what's called a babe in Christ. What do babies do? They make messes. So you're not going to be perfect. So don't beat yourself up because you can't live perfectly when you make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up when you go back to porn or you watch or you drink too much beer or you've done any of this. You're not Because he's moved in, you are not perfect. You're perfect in Christ, but your flesh is bad and you're a baby. You haven't learned yet. And so 6 says, you are a baby in Christ. And what do babies need? All babies need this. Every one of them. They need nourishment. Where does a babe in Christ get nourishment? They get it by reading the Bible. They open it, they read it, and that nourishment feeds their spiritual soul, just like milk and meat and donuts feed our flesh. Uh, the Word of God, without any interpretations from everybody else, the Word of God will teach you. So just open it and start reading it, okay? The seventh thing I would emphasize over and over and over again and that a person needs to let the Word of God come to them by the Spirit. Now this starts to get a little tricky. That again, material applications to church are over. That playing church is over. Remember the situation, what's happening in the churches now. I would, I would tell them on point number seven, it's over. Don't try to even become part of that. Just work on your relationship with God as a babe in Christ by reading the Word and nourishing yourself. That you have the right, now with God in you, to understand the scripture better. And you have the right to grow thereby and to have opinions and to understand it subjectively until the objective truths take place. On number eight, I would emphasize that we do not believe in the Bible and we do any more than we worship the Bible. We don't believe in the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. We believe in God and we worship God. There is no other God before him. The Bible is not God, okay? It is a wonderful gift to help introduce you to understand who God is, but you certainly don't let that become your legal manual because then you're just returning to the law and your relationship is over. In a sense, Paul says that. So that would be point number eight. I would add this little this little. Diddy, I would say the spirit is primary and preferential. The Bible is secondary, but referential to make sure your spirit, your ideas aren't leading you astray. Open up the Bible. It's a reference. See what it says. Church history is tertiary and deferential. You can defer to it and see what's been done. But, and 
the pretended brick and mortar power brokers and all that they have entailed historically are pretty much done and inconsequential. That's the ditty I would give. Spirit is primary preferential. Word of God is secondary and referential. The church history is tertiary and uh, deferential. You can defer. And brick and mortar, present brick and mortar churches that you're seeing now, they're inconsequential. And as an addendum, I would emphasize that the Bible is your personal map. And you are responsible for reading it. You're responsible to digest it. And you're responsible to choose if you're going to live by what you read and are touched by or not. And then I would note that number nine would say, it's a reiteration, we're almost done. Everything is finished and over by way of material religion. And I would quote one set of scriptures here in this, in this time capsule. And it would be 1 Corinthians 15.3. Remember the first point I said, Christ promised that he would come back. The apostles all said he would come back. Well, he came back to his people and destroyed Jerusalem and rewarded his church. And then I would read this scripture. But every man, speaking of the resurrection, in his own order. Christ is the first fruits. He rose from the grave first. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Okay? So that's what scripture says. Paul says, listen, Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. Then those who are his at his coming. If he came in 70 AD, as preterists believe, then those who are his at his coming, and then you know what the next verse says? Then cometh the end. Okay? Now, the end of what? The end of all church, brick and mortar, all that stuff that is happening around you. It, it finished a long time ago. And they've been playing church ever since. But the end came when he came back and got his church. Let me finish the scripture. When he, Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Did Christ have the victory? He did. Did he put everything under his feet at the cross, death, resurrection, ascension? He did. We're not still waiting for him to have a victory. He had the victory. And then it says, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it's manifest that he's accepted. He didn't put himself under himself, which did put all things under him. Listen, verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That's the age you're living in right now, I would say in that point 10. You're living in an age where God is all in all because Christ had the victory. So you don't have to fret and worry about all this other stuff. Keep that relationship going and love, love, love as you are commanded. And I would conclude that that is in that point number 10, that that's what it's all about. Faith in God and love. Faith in love. Faith in love. Faith in love. And let those commands work in you and you live your Christian life outside of what all the people are trying to put together and do. And that's what I would put in the magnificent time capsule. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-590-8413, 801-590-8413. If we have any calls, if not, we're going to hit a few emails and cut it short tonight because of what's happening in the United States of America. But let's take one quick spot and we'll see. 
We're going to Eric in Montana. He called last week. Eric, did I tell you to call back? No, no, you didn't tell me to call back. No. What's up? No. Not um, much great show tonight, by the way. Just want to let you know. Oh, praise really God. appreciate it. My, uh, my blood pressure was getting up too high with the election, so I was like, all right, it's hard of the matter time. i got to bring it down a couple, couple numbers. I'm glad we're a good, solid reprieve. This <laughs> is great. It's like a little R&R for the yeah. spirit. Um, I just had a quick question for you. Are there, are there any books in the New Testament Apocrypha that you like or think should be in the Bible? I mean, as it is now, I, I think it's fine as it is, but are there any that you're kind of like, well, that maybe would be all right or that you, you like personally? Just kind of curious. Not in the New Testament, but I, I do find some of the information in uh, the Old Testament uh, uh, books like Book of Tobit and Judith and Maccabees, those are interesting to me, and they, they seem to offer some insights to stuff. But uh, in the okay. New Testament, I don't find much, because there's always some really trippy thing they'll throw into those apocryphal books of the New Testament, and they automatically, in the context of the rest of Scripture, show they shouldn't be there. Right, okay. How about you? Go ahead. How about you? Do you like any of them? But, you know, I... I've kind of glossed over, I've just, I've looked at some of the Old Testament Apocrypha. Um, it's kind of a lot to, to chew on, uh, Bell and the Dragon and some of these things. Yeah. But um, there's the Gospel of St. Thomas of the New Testament, um, and I've kind of read about it, but it's, it's hard to say one way or the other because you have different scholars saying different things, but when you just kind of reference everything to what's already in the Bible, you're not really gaining any new information. It's just all basically kind of, uh, just kind of uh, being, you know, over again. Yeah, and in that Gospel of Thomas, that says, I mean, if I recall, it says some things that are really aphoristic and tough and mysterious to understand. They'll say, like, he who uh, gains wealth uh, dies a sudden... Uh, it, it just makes these, it makes these right, statements. Right. Yeah, and I could never make sense of them, so I stopped reading them. It's, it's very esoteric, uh, for sure, and yeah. it's, it's odd, because when you read about him, apparently he went over to India, and there's some weird story. It's just, if anything, it's just an interesting story. I don't know how yeah. much is true and what's not true, but I just thought I'd chew in your about that, if you had an opinion one way or another about any of the other books. Yeah, it's a really good question, because, you know, we, we get pretty dogmatic on that uh, horizontal line about what books are and aren't, but when you look around the world, there's a lot of books, a lot of good, solid believers that have you know, 15, 20 more books in their Bible than we do. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a good question. It's a good insight, Eric. Thanks so much. Yeah, and just one quick question. Are you, are you, do you have any opinion? Are you familiar with the, uh, the first letter of St. Clement? I've heard of it. Tell, 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 us, tell us about it. Teach us I, about it's, it. It's supposed to, supposedly it's the uh, oldest uh, non-canonical writing in the New Testament written by St. Clement. Um, I think it was written probably about the turning towards the first century A.D. Um, by some of the early, one of the early church, church leaders, St. Clement, and I just didn't know if you're familiar with it or... Yeah, I've heard of it, but I, I, I don't know its contents. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. You may just want to look it up just, just for the heck of it. It's a little bit more um, kind of business-oriented, which is why it's probably, it wasn't a canonical book, but it's still fascinating to read because they're addressing, you know, kind of the, some of the early church bodies St. Clement was, and he was active in the church. I believe it was the turn of the first century. So, anyways, just wanted to join you in a little bit. But yeah, thanks again for a great show tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric.
God bless. Take care. Thank you, buddy. All right, bye-bye. We have uh, Anthony in Mesa, Arizona, I'm thinking, and uh, on three. Anthony, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. I just kind of had some uh, kind of statement. Yeah. Are you there? Are you being beaten? <laughs> well, that was weird. Who? Farron from Orem. Farron from Orem, you're on Heart of the Matter. I have two on. I think Trump and Hillary have affected our phone lines. Either that or Wendy's been nipping at the sauce again. Uh, anyway, if we can't get it, check to see if we can get them through. Uh, there's something wrong with the phone. I could have just pulled something out. Uh, quickly, um, we'll try it one more time. Anthony? Hey. Hey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, yeah, just, I usually use headphones on my phone, and it's just like the connection just gets crazy. So anyway, um, I was just trying to say uh, before um, that I did have some statements and uh, kind of question statements. Question, comments? Yeah. Um, so, as you know, I've called before, but anyway, I'm just uh, trying to recollect my ideas as I was holding. But listening to the previous caller. Yeah. Um, well, not caller. I apologize. The uh, guy that left you, though, is multiple voice yeah. messages. You know, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, well, in my situation, like, it's pretty, like, it's not ironic, but it's kind of, interesting that that dude's calling nowadays but like i've listened to you for the past like four years and so like when i was studying mormonism when i first encountered it i'm not really uh just like okay yes you know just jump on the bandwagon i really wanted to research and you know obviously found you and so from that um you know i got engaged with an lds girl moved to her town all that kind of you know small town pima you know um east side kind of you know central east side arizona and you know i was kind of jaded too with you switching up to your more um let's go look at the you know our fellow brothers instead of like you know mormonism or other just kind of different outtakes on christianity you know or you know what i'm saying so yeah it's like uh like it did kind of change the idea, like you did change your pace, you know? And so I was like, well, Sean just is like kind of selling out to something else. I don't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. And he was supposed to have another show and you never addressed that. And then you just went to, you know, kind of HOTM.TV and then you stuck with like, you know, posting it on YouTube. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what Sean's doing, but <laughs> Sean's doing his thing. <laughs> so, you know, and I was like, well, okay, I'll just, you know, I, and that whole, she had like a really bad dream and then like she broke up the uh, engagement because of a dream she had. Wow. And I was working, I mean, I was doing everything I could do to, you know, support this kind of early arrangement of engagement and relationship, you know? And you were kind of like a fallback crutch on me that for a good while with understanding Mormonism because a lot of the LDS people that I talked to really didn't have an idea of like deeper I would say almost Mormon esoteric, 
you know, um, origins or history or beginnings, you know. They didn't yeah. read anything like Rough Stone Rolling or stuff like that, you know, just early stuff. Yeah. So, like, if I left you voicemail messages, it would be just like, so what do you think about this and that and the other? So I would just have a monologue and I wouldn't cut you out. Well, anyway, thank you for that. <laughs> um, like, I do have problems with uh, Paul and the Romans thing, you know. It's just like we, as the American populace, though, you know, we do kind of have our vote and the electoral collegiate vote, you know, they actually have presidents. But, you know, that that's one thing that's really difficult for me to absorb because, um, you know, we're kind of, in my opinion, choosing from the lesser of two evils. Yeah. But that's that. Um, but one thing that I really want to hit on that's kind of like a common thing is, like, I had this, like, I was just doing my thing, and then I got this kind of, like, still small voice going, watch on show. And this was last Tuesday. Oh, no, 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 two Tuesdays before when you had... Um, Matt Slick? Um, the Carm. Matt? Yes, thank you, Mr. Slick. And I was like, I just got it, like, damn. I'm like, I'm not watching shows show tonight, Sean's show tonight. And then it's like, watch it right now. And then that's <laughs> when I caught the tail end. And, like, you know, with his, um, what's the drama, I should say, that ensued towards the end. And that hit me so hard. And I left a message, like, on the video on YouTube, but I don't know. It was just kind of wiggy whack. But, it's like that was kind of raw and real and like that really hit me and then like later on i saw that you know you cut it out but like i don't know that kind of stuff that's real and raw between you know true christians and you know the self or the flesh you know coming out and of course there's drama beyond the drama you know but i don't know that that was a interesting for me just to get that like hey watch it now and then that's what i ended up seeing and then that lasted for me for a couple of days wow you know and uh i really uh, like i it was uh, obviously a unfortunate set of events um because you know ultimately like with the whole um you know with your book you know knife to a gunfight which you know like a, you gave me a red yada and uh that, that section where there are these kind of perceived contradictions and then him trying to say that there were not contradictions but kind of misconstrued perceptions. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just like, that That was a, it's a unique idea, but it's really kind of um, like a... They just are. I mean, just they different just people are. wrote different things throughout the, that time era, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just... Uh, I really appreciated it, and then, you know, but it was, I don't know where I'm really trying to get at with the idea of just, it was raw, and it was real, and that's what I'm used to, just seeing, like, this kind of, not really apologetic, but just seeing, like, I'm really on Sean's side, and I can see how your side went wrong, and then I can see, you know, Slick's side, and how he kind of, you went overboard, so... I don't know. It's just that kind of stuff is real and unique, and often that authenticity that yeah. came out from the self. Or it was. It was you know, authentic. It was authentic, and and that's the way life is. And and we took it off only because uh, we felt. And I talked to people afterward, and just kind of made a decision. 
uh, I went back, and I think I said this last week, Anthony, but we went back and I listened to it, and I listened to the tone and everything else, and really, I took it off is because if I was, if I did what Matt responded the way Matt responded, I'm just going to say it, I would not want mine up there. Unfortunately, my videos are still out there when I do things like what Matt did. So we keep them, we've kept them up, but I would appreciate if someone would have taken my video off if I stormed off the stage. And that's why we did it. We're not trying to edit it or trying to clean things up. We like it raw and authentic, and that's what it was. And I thought, I think personally that it was uh, very beneficial for a lot of reasons. And uh, I'll stand by that. So on we go, my brother. Thanks for your insights. Yeah, I really I appreciate it. I love you too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, this is from uh, Rory, and we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, it's a longer email, but he, uh, he says, listen, I understand what it means to be out in the flesh. He's referring to me, thinking I'm taking on and doing something new. And he says, only for me to eventually see that I'm wrong and God will prove it when I want to see it. That's what he prefaces the letter with. And he goes on to say that Mormons talk about having a burning in the bosom and uh, that subjective feeling with nothing to test it against. And he goes on to, to build a case that what I'm suggesting is that the spirit um, reigns over everything. I've never said that. And I, let me just reiterate again the importance of the Bible. Uh, it is in the list. It is secondary and it is referential. I just don't believe uh, it has been used properly in the Christian church for nearly 2000 or 1900 years. And I believe that it has caused nothing but division when in fact the spirit is calling us to love and we can read the, the Bible and just say we can agree to disagree. I am not saying just go by your feelings. I'm not saying whatever the burning in the bosom says is correct. I've never intimated that. I don't mean it when, that when it talks about subjective Christianity. I'm talking about we read the word with the spirit and we're reading it and we're trying to understand what it says. And if we have differences, too bad, we let them go. That's all I'm trying to say. We have to subjectively say, I allow that brother to believe as he wants. And I really think that, that, that if someone claims Christ, a brother has the right to say, I don't think Christ did, I don't think he walked on water. They can say that. Well, that's your opinion. You can, it says it in the Bible, you don't believe that, that's fine. I believe it was a metaphor. I don't believe that there's a trinity. All right, you don't believe that? Whatever. You believe Christ? Yes. You believe he's your Savior? Yeah. You believe he's shed blood, uh, atoned for your sins? Yes, I do. That you're saved by grace through faith? Yes, I do. Well, you know, go on. But, but even that one, saved by grace through faith, there are people who say yes, but we still have to. I would have to say, okay, believe what you want. I'm not saying get rid of the Bible. The Bible is vital. We teach it very closely every week. But uh, the, the subjective thing is we have to let people disagree on what it says because we do anyway. So we might as well make peace and move forward in love. We will see you next week after the election. We're going to have a new president. Wendy is back dancing in the back room. So something's happened. Uh, she's a Trump fan. Uh, he took Florida. So uh, we have an uh, audience applauding. I guess a lot of Trump fans in here. So he took Florida. There's the update. We'll see you next week under a new president here on Heart of the Matter. I'm on a ride, going nowhere.
Feel the light-filled monkey start to 